What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of A Little More Good. So glad to have you join us for the show. My name is Dean. My name is Zach. And we're coming at you on this Tuesday with a with a great a great episode. We're super excited about. Yes, yes. This one was uh, one of those living legends, you know. Yeah. We had the pleasure to connect with Eric Hinman, and uh, he's kind of this guy that we were admiring on Instagram, doing these incredible feats, these physical feats, um, of doing, you know, incredible climbs in the snow, workouts in the snow, lifting heavy weights, but was kind of incorporating in sauna, cold plunge, and community in these conversations. And we just got curious about uh, who Eric is, and he's got this incredible background in, in business and, and sport through triathlon, and uh, he's just a very embodied person, Yeah. and it was great to be able to connect and, and hear his journey in sport, but also to hear his journey in business, and, and a lot of actionable takeaways of of steps in business and steps in kind of building your own personal character yeah totally like uh the cover of you know if his life is a book the cover of the book is really like he's this ambassador for fitness and healthy living but the chapters like there's a great deal of depth to who he is and and we really got to dive in and and explore some of that and i mean all around just like such a rad dude to chat with like i remember after the conversation zach and i were both just very charged up like he's got a great personality great energy um and it was super fun it was super fun to chat with him and just kind of go go the distance and and learn more about him and feel feel connected to this person again like you know there's a lot of there's a lot of negative about social media but that interaction by seeing him through whatever the algorithm of workouts and healthy living that we're all caught up in like finding him following and then leading to this conversation is was a really really um awesome benefit of, of our current social media world so yeah eric's based in denver he's uh, an endurance athlete five times iron man um he's he works with a lot of amazing brands he's a bit of an angel investor in in many as well they're all kind of check out his instagram he's constantly sharing and celebrating the the brands that he works with from from cane shoes I to, love yeah dean's rocking the cane shoes wow. too They're so good and he's a health and wellness tech and hospitality entrepreneur. He has a, a, a great background in, in restaurants uh, in New York um, and champions a lot of innovative disruptors in the fitness and wellness space. So uh, being an angel investor in, in many of them from such as 10,000, Well Well, Swerve Fitness. So he's doing some cool shit. Yeah. To say the least. So we know you're going to love this episode. Um, as always, Wherever you're listening, uh, if you could take a second and just review, like, follow, subscribe, all of those things, it really helps us out. We really, really appreciate each and every one of you. We read the reviews. Uh, they mean so much to us. Um, anytime you know you hear an episode that you like, the best thing you can do is like share it with a friend that you think it would resonate with or share it on your story. Tag us, tag the guest, in this case, Eric Hinman. Just tag him on Instagram as well. Just let them know that you've been listening and that you appreciate it. We, um, we really, really love all of those kind of connections and it just helps us do more good through through the show all right before we let this episode roll a word from this week's sponsor yeah we've been on the athletic greens bandwagon for a while now taking the ag1 and um i've really noticed 
since taking it just like this, this real cumulative effect of wellness uh, in my life. I look forward to every morning waking up, filling up the bottle, you know, getting my hydration on with the water, but also throwing a scoop of the AG1 in there, giving it a shake and just drinking it down. And it's almost become this kind of like morning ritual routine. And, you know, I've noticed about myself, I really have become more and more in tune with routines. And it used to be like the coffee first thing. And now, uh, you know, haven't been on caffeine for a while, but now that AG1, wake, shake, drink, it's just really fueled me up. And knowing that I'm starting my day with 75 high quality ingredients, probiotics, prebiotics, get that gut health, those adaptogens, good energy, vitamins, minerals, all the things we need to just live an optimized life is is baked right into the AG1. I love those morning rituals, you know. It's a, it's a great foundation pillar to start your day with, especially one that's built around wellness. And I love the minimalism as well. Like yeah. I, I've talked about this before, but I used to have like an embarrassing cupboard full of supplements and it was like a Rolodex of, of different pills and powders that I was taking every day. And, and since I've switched over to AG1 from Athletic Greens, I just take one. I'm one and done, baby. Yep. Covers your basis for the day. Gives you that that daily nutritional insurance that you need. There we go. So, Dean, if uh, if if we want to get Athletic Greens in our life, AG1, what's the best way to subscribe? Oof, we got you covered. We're going to make it easy for you. Uh, just all you got to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash more good. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash more good. And when you sign up, you get uh, a year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D, which is amazing. You got to have that, especially up here in the in the Western Hemisphere, where we don't see the sun as much. And you get five free travel packs. So if you're going away somewhere, you can throw or throw them in your gym bag or whatever it is. So yeah, sign up, athleticgreens.com/slash/more-good. That's where you're going to get all of the AG1 goodness, and make sure you've got that daily nutritional insurance in the bag. There we go. All right, on to this week's episode. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of A Little More Good. We're really excited for today's episode. We're uh, we're sitting down virtually across across the table, across uh, a little bit of our continent here with uh, the one and only Eric Hinman, five-time Ironman, um, an entrepreneur in business, uh, angel investor, ambassador for fitness and healthy living, master of the sub-zero workouts, sauna and cold plunge enthusiast and all around rad human being. Eric, it is so, so good to uh, to sit down with you this way and to, yeah, we're really looking forward to having this conversation with you. So thank you um, for joining us today. Thanks for having me on guys. I appreciate that kind intro and I love the I love the sub-zero workout portion of it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, uh, especially timely, we're in, we're, I mean, podcasts exist outside of time and space, but currently in the, in the midst of recording, we're kind of in the, in the throes of winter here. And, uh, just, just this morning you posted a, an epic workout that you did outside with your outdoor kind of setup. Um, I guess now is a great time to plug it. If you, if you're listening to this and you don't follow Eric on Instagram, uh, get your phone out and do it at Eric Hidman. Um, an amazing inspirational person. That's really why uh, we wanted to sit down and, and talk with you. But this morning on your on your Instagram, you posted a, a pretty rad workout of yourself, just like squatting some weight out in, in a beautiful snowstorm. <laughs> yeah, we got about 12 inches of really wet snow for Denver. Usually our snow is really light and fluffy. I grew up in the Northeast 
um, on Lake Ontario. And I was used to like heavy lake effect snow there. I mean, oh my God, it would break your back shoveling it. And here it's usually a, a much fluffier snow, but this morning it was, it was pretty heavy, but yeah, we're up on a hill looking out at the front range mountains. Um, our backyard drops right off and it's a really cool view. We turfed 1200 square feet of the backyard and we've got all the fitness equipment out there. We have the rogue Castro rig, which has a 15 foot rope and it has rings for muscle ups two pull-up stations, two squat stations. We have a sauna outside, cold plunges. So it's just like a health and wellness mecca for us, but also that's a big part of our lives are entertaining around those things that we enjoy. So pretty much every day around 4 p.m., we have six to eight people that are coming over here to sauna and, and cold plunge with us. Amazing. It's, it's funny. Um, your, your workout uh, setups made it onto my mood board for 2023. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, I mean, it was on my mood board for a long time. This was something that, uh, you know, ultimately we manifested. And I, I had a small apartment in downtown Denver prior to this in Rhino. And before that, I had a condo in upstate New York. And my life was very different in upstate New York. And I'm sure we'll get into that. It was more based around you know, late night entertaining and dinners and wine, which was great. But um, I knew once I, I got more into this health and wellness world that this was the house that I wanted, a place where we could entertain around, you know, fitness and recovery. And yeah, that's, uh, we, we closed on the house February 28th of this year. So we're coming up on a year now. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, and Dean and I were on a run last week and we we're we live on the water uh, here in, in Vancouver and uh, we're running uh, along the dike in Steveston and uh, just looking at all these waterfront houses with kind of like rooftop patios. And we're like, yeah, that could be like, <laughs> that'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you guys have some mountain view. You have mountain and ocean views in Vancouver. So yeah. I'm sure you yeah. can find a property that it was just surreal. We're, yeah, we're very spoiled. Uh, my, I have a birthday in April, and one year, uh, me and a bunch of friends, a couple others, had birthdays right around the same time. It was like mid-April. We went up in the morning and did like a, a morning ski up on one of our local hills, and then we rode down and just had like a, a the truck like full of like snacks and food and drinks and stuff. Drove down to one of the beaches, and we were all skimboarding in the afternoon because it was like fifteen, you know, Celsius, yeah. fifteen degrees, like warm enough that you could get out there and skim. And so we sat and had like a beach day, and we're like could see the mountain we were riding on before. So we're definitely very spoiled here, but. So yeah. cool. I'm a huge proponent of picking an environment you thrive in. And like, I love being outside. It just fills my soul and makes me smile. And I grew up in upstate New York and I was outside a bit, but nothing like here. And I moved to Denver five years ago and in moving here, I'm just like, damn, this was the environment I needed to thrive where the mountains are just like begging you to go play in them every day. And you guys have the mountains and the ocean. And yeah, I feel like that's such an important aspect of your happiness in life is picking an environment that allows you to thrive. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess maybe if we like rewind a little bit back, knowing, knowing that about yourself now, like when you were a kid, were there times or memories or places, like whether it's like vacations or just getting outside after school with friends and playing, like when you looking back, you can be like, Oh, that, that spirit of like adventure and seeking to be outside and play was like, was that baked into you? Or is that something you kind of came to later in life and had this like epiphany where you're like, this is what I need to be like happy and fulfilled. 
Yeah, I mean, some of it was definitely baked into me. I grew up playing basketball. My my parents, um, they kept expanding my cement pad because I kept being able to, you know, shoot from further and further away. <laughs> um, so I would play basketball in my parents' backyard for hours. And, you know, the, the seasons when I could be out there, it was, uh, you know, cold for seven months out of the year. So it's only about five, five months out of the year where you could be outside doing stuff like that. Um, I grew up snowmobiling. I loved snowmobiling. It was very much a flow state activity for me. And definitely looking back, I I now associate things like that with just complete presence and flow. And, you know, that's now what I've really built my life around our activities, people, environments that that bring me that just complete presence, flow state where I'm not, you know, wishing I was somewhere else. I'm not wishing I was with someone else. I'm not wishing I was doing something else. I'm just like so stoked in the moment with the things that that I'm doing each day. And yeah, I mean, I, I can now associate that feeling back to some of those things that I had built into my life back then. You know, obviously at that age, when you're in elementary school and high school, a lot of your day is going to be dictated by, you know, people who have authority over you, whether it's parents or teachers or, you know, if you're working for someone. So, you know, I, I think there's a certain age we get to where we have our own authority. And then I think it's important to have the awareness to understand, like, what is allowing you to thrive and what things aren't allowing you to thrive. And that's different for everyone. You know, we all have our different tribes. We all have our different environments we thrive in. And we all have our different activities that we thrive in. And yeah, I think one of the most important things in life is figuring those out for yourself. Yeah, that's huge. We want to kind of dig into all of your your habits and routines, but um, just to give some context uh, for the, our listeners, um, do you think we can kind of dive back a little bit into your origins of, of sport? Uh, I know you mentioned basketball was a big part of your life growing up, um, yep. but I know triathlons and, and Ironman was, uh, you know, a big part into uh, you becoming the modern athlete that you are now. Uh, can you kind of take us back into how you uh, found fitness and movement as an adult and kind of that uh, evolution for yourself? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it's changed so much over time. Um, I mean, when I was when I was a kid, I think it was very much, I mean, early on, just playful based, but then became very ego based. And I, I kind of feel like we're pushed in that direction from society to compete against others and, you know, to win basketball games as a team. And, you know, all of that is great. I think there's a time and a place for that competitive spirit. But, you know, I've learned over the years that it's so much better to enjoy the process and so much better to compete against yourself. So um, early evolution was playing three sports in high school. I ran cross country. I ran track. I played basketball. Um, I sat the bench one year in college for basketball. I think I played a total of about two minutes um, and I got into weightlifting in college, but very vanity based bench press and bicep curls and shoulder raises, never squatting or deadlifting any of these functional movements that I would do now. Um, and then in my early twenties, I got pretty out of shape. Uh, my first career was property and casualty insurance. I was driving 50,000 miles a year for seven years, and I didn't have knowledge around a healthy lifestyle. I was eating Subway thinking that was healthier than eating pizza. Um, you know, I didn't really understand nutrition. I didn't understand purposeful exercise. Um, I didn't understand aerobic heart rate versus anaerobic heart rate training. 
So in my mid-20s, I hired a personal trainer uh, who helped me get back into like physically good-looking shape. And, you know, through that, I started running again and started kind of getting a little bit of a runner's high. And from the workouts I was doing with him, they were, you know, there was functional movements, squatting and deadlifting and thrusters, kind of CrossFit before CrossFit was a thing. We're talking back in like 2007, 2008. And I definitely would, you know, get a post-workout high from that, but I was still also, you know, partying and drinking and doing all of these other things that a lot of us do in our twenties to fuel vulnerability and to have good times with my friends. And, you know, to, I, I thought that that was what having fun was. So it wasn't really until I picked up triathlon that I started associating exercise, eating healthy, getting enough sleep, all of that stuff with like mental and emotional well-being. And triathlon early on, I got into the sport because a bunch of my friends had these fancy bikes with four handlebars and I, I thought they looked cool. So I bought one and I was like, well, I guess I got to do a triathlon. So I signed up for a sprint distance triathlon with no real swimming background. I did grow up, you know, swimming in Lake Ontario, but you know, not with my face in the water, learning how to breathe or any kind of competitive swimming. So the swimming took me a few months swimming in a pool to get the stroke down and the breathing down. And in that first triathlon, you know, it's just a bunch of people out flailing in a lake and um, you're getting kicked and hit. And I ended up side stroking and backstroking just to get my way through this 800 meter, you know, swim, which, you know, looking back, that's not that long of a swim, but for me, it felt like an eternity. Um, and then I got on the bike and I started passing people, you know, I had some pretty good leg strength from doing all of these CrossFit type workouts with my trainer and the run has always been pretty natural for me. So I passed more people on the run and I think I placed like third in my age group and triathlon, triathlon does a great job of allowing you to place like somehow, you know, you're third in your age group with like blonde hair or something. <laughs> so I, ended, I ended up placing, but you know, I wasn't third by any means overall in the race. Um, but it was empowering. And, you know, it, my, my first business backtracking was property and casualty insurance. And I, I always loved creating my own destiny. And I saw that in triathlon. It was similar to entrepreneurship in that I realized that the results were going to be directly correlated to how much purposeful practice and work I put into it. So I would go every Wednesday night to these local triathlons that were happening in, in Jamesville, New York, and they were sprint distance triathlons. And after about a year of doing these every Wednesday, I was getting pretty fast, pretty lean, uh, you know, starting to win these Wednesday night triathlons. And then I would sign up for like a local race. And this one guy, his name was Mike Corona. He would beat me in the races and I'm like, I look so much fitter than him. At this point, I had a six pack and like my biceps were showing and, you know, because I'm strength training and most triathletes don't do any strength training. So I'm like, I don't understand why this guy is beating me. Like I look so much fitter than him and I beat him on Wednesday nights. So I ended up hiring him as my coach and 
he taught me a really valuable lesson that there's a big difference between training and exercising. And I was really just exercising. I didn't have purpose behind, you know, any of these workouts I was doing. I was just going hard all the time. And he taught me that, you know, to be good at endurance sports, specifically, you know, half Ironman, full Ironman, marathons, anything over, call it 90 minutes in duration. It's much more about durability and aerobic engine than it is about, you know, your ability, your strength or your ability to go hard for, you know, 20 minutes. So he slowed me down and he taught me what's called the Maffetone method of heart rate training where I was doing the majority of my training at about 75 to 80% of my max heart rate, which my max is around 175 to 180. So I was doing a lot of training between 130 and 135 heart rate. And, um, you know, over a six month period uh, of following his guidelines, my, my pace started to drop at the same heart rate. And then you know, fast forward five years of doing that, I went from running a 840 pace at a 140 heart rate to running 20 plus miles at a 620 pace at a 128 heart rate. It was just incredible what that training did for me. And it just allowed me to really like pack on the volume to build my run durability and bike durability. Um, but during those years, to go back to kind of the mental and emotional side of things, I started to realize that like, my cup was just so full all the time from all of this exercise, being outside, eating healthy, you know, doing infrared sauna. I wasn't doing cold exposure back then. Um, I got into that later, getting lots of deep sleep every night. And, you know, I gave up drinking um, and just started to build my life around, you know, these things that I felt were making me the best version of myself. And, um, I just felt energized and had this tremendous mental clarity from it. And, you know, that's when I started to sh start sharing some of this with others and ultimately, you know, kind of got me to the chapter that I'm at now where, you know, movement is medicine is the, is the tagline I use now. And, you know, exercise was definitely the foundation for, you know, me just feeling really good and also getting me into healthy eating and the sleep and the recovery. But, yeah, just moving and being outside, man, that just, it, it was such an awakening of how happy I was and just how clear my mind was. So um, yeah, that's, that's why I continue to live my life the way I do today. Yeah. What a, what a, what a difference from, you know, road tripping uh, across like state, state to state, you know, spending yeah. the majority of your days sitting in a car to now, you know, uh, exercising four hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just having that unlocking that experience and saying, you know, we talked before about like before the pod about like feeling and how good, um, you know, those feelings can stay with us. And that informs how we want to live and who we want to spend time with, but just like literally by showing up and starting to take control of your life in these ways, these like pillars, of like fitness and emotional, like, and wellness, like, you start to feel what it feels like to live that way. And it can shape literally your whole life trajectory. And a lot of times people feel like, Oh, I can't start. I'm not that fit or it's hard for me. And, you know, they can stop, but, or give up, but the, the payoff and like consistency. And like, I love what you said about being kind of like intentional or purposeful with your training is huge. Cause a lot of us start, you know, and say, Oh, I'll do some biceps or I'll try going for a run. And you get three or four kilometers in and you're not a runner and you're like, damn, this is so hard. It's mm -hmm. easy to 
but by being persistent and having like an intentional clear goal, it's huge. It keeps you on track and allows you to feel and experience like how good living this way can feel. Yeah, definitely. And it helps with everything else too. Like I went cross country skiing today and I sucked. I mean, it, you know, I typically can run to the summit of this mountain from my house in 30 minutes. And it took me 90 minutes to cross country ski there. And it took me almost the same amount of time to get back down because going down for me is no easier than going up. So I kept falling with the skinny skis on, you know, deep snow. But, you know, what I learned from those Ironman years is like the 10,000 hour rule. You know, if you want to be good at anything, most people that you know, have achieved at any kind of high level, you know, they have just put blinders on to like be really good at that one thing. And they've cut out all the distractions. So I feel like Ironman taught me that where, you know, now if I want to be an elite cross country skier, okay, just because I sucked at it, you know, four times in my life, that doesn't mean I can't be elite at it. I just have to dedicate a lot of time and also like study the best and see how they train for it. And then like, you can get there too. It really just takes like that purposeful practice blinders and blocking out distractions to get good at anything that doesn't require some genetic gift like basketball or football to some degree. Right. Yeah. I'd love to zoom in on a few of the things that you mentioned, uh, movement as medicine and purposeful practice. Um, can you talk a little bit about the importance of routine and consistency and bringing purpose and intention into those routines and, and those consistencies? Yeah, definitely. I mean, my day is super structured. I have blocks of time when, you know, I do podcasts, when I do meetings. Um, I mean, the priority for me is health and wellness. So I'm structuring in two workouts a day, you know, one from 830 to 1030, one from noon until two every day. And I have my recovery session that I schedule in every day, sauna, cold exposure. I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about that more. And I tend to um, block out these like creative cognitive tasks immediately after either exercise or recovery sessions. I feel like that's when my mind is the most clear. I have the best energy and, you know, I can show up as the best version of myself. So I think structure is so important and it, it took some time to get there to understand how I wanted to structure my day around, you know, kind of presence and flow state and, you know, enhanced cognition and energy. Um, and, you know, even though like the day is so structured, even eating is pretty similar. I look forward to it every day and there's, there's variety within the structure. So, you know, there's different workouts at the gym each day. There's different people that are showing up there. You know, I might mountain bike one day for my aerobic activity. I might cross country ski. I might trail run. I might rock. So there is variety within it. I'm going to different places, but ultimately I know the structure that, allows me to thrive in my roles in life. So that's why structure is so important to me. And, you know, again, why like health and wellness is such a big portion of it. You know, eating for me, I eat to perform. I obviously like the foods I eat, but I'm also cognizant of like not eating something that's going to zap my energy or zap my cognition. Um, and we all suffer from decision-making fatigue. If you allow for too many decisions to creep into your day, then like you're going to screw it up. And I'm the same, you know, if I have junk food here in the house, probably going to eat it because it's in front of me. And, you know, if I go away on some vacation where there's no gym or no ability to run or no ability to sauna or cold plunge, like I'm setting myself up for failure in that. So even when I'm traveling, I'm cognizant of like 
setting myself up for success in any of those places I go to where I know I can get my workouts in. I know I can go to a gym. I know I can get runs in, you know, I have access to a cold plunge or a sauna. Uh, there's this quote, I think it's from Rich Roll, um, where he talks about, we often overestimate what we can do in a year and underestimate what we can do in 10 years. Um, having been consistent with your, your movement, your fitness, uh, your health practice for, you know, some time now, can, can you kind of speak to that statement? Yeah. I mean, so much of success again, is just like compounding consistencies. It's not one just amazing day where you go out there and you sprint or you, you know, max out on a lift or, you know, you close some business deal. It literally is just like compounding consistencies. And for me, I don't really, I, I don't set goals per se. I definitely put obstacles in my life every year that I know I have to overcome like an Ironman or doing Leadville, something like that. But ultimately I know that if I, if I live my life the way I, the way I live it now, like I'm, I'm going to attract opportunities in my, into my life, just from those compounding consistencies of staying in a lane that I really understand. Um, so yeah, I, I love that. And, you know, Jesse Itzler is a, is another one who, you know, just like preaches like, Hey, this is what you can get done day. Like you can, you can do so much in a day. And then you look back on your year and you're like, Oh my God, I accomplished all of that. But again, so much of that comes down to like, just knowing what you're doing, going through your life with purpose, having structure within Nick bear is another great example, having structure within it. And you know, focusing on one thing at a time, you know, if you want to be a really good Ironman athlete, then you're going to have to dedicate several years of your life to Ironman training. And that means you're going to have sacrifice along with that. You're going to have to probably cut some things out to free up enough time to be really good at that. And, you know, I know that if I go into a new business venture that, okay, something's going to have to give, I have to make space for this in order to be good at it. And I have to dedicate you know, 10,000 hours to it of compounding consistencies to, to get to a place where I'm satisfied and feel successful with it. Yeah. I love, I love what you said about, it's like a kind of a, I think it's a pretty important reframe, not using the language of goals because that's everywhere. And that's really good. And a lot of people have benefited from it, but I love how you called them. Like, I'm going to put obstacles in my way or in my life. And like, that is I love that language because most of us would like want to minimize obstacles or not intentionally put an obstacle in our path. What does it mean? Or like, how does that um, change your thinking or your mindset towards a target? Whether you were to say, okay, my goal is to do this versus, okay, here's an obstacle that I'm going to have to like overcome or figure out a way to like get around or get through. How does that shift for you? Cause I really like how you have framed that. Yeah. Well, I mean, something like Leadville or an Ironman, I mean, it's not something you can just show up for. So, I mean, that's an obstacle where like you have to structure your life around purpose in order to overcome that obstacle. You know, building a business would be the same. I mean, you know, let's say that you want to build a $10 million business or a hundred million dollar business. That's a major obstacle and you need to understand how to execute on a daily basis in order to overcome that obstacle. And I, I feel like the more you practice like hard workouts, the more cold exposure, sauna, any of these things you do where, you know, there's discomfort in the moment, but, you know, you have this achievement oriented mindset you know, that's going to help you with any of these larger obstacles too. So I don't just think of obstacles as, 
you know, the Leadvilles, I think of it as my morning workout every day, you know, my cold exposure every day, jumping into a cold stream, you know, it's pretty easy to pull up to a cold stream when it's eight degrees in Colorado and just like a turn around and keep driving. (laughs) But I know that if I like, Hey, I'm here, like just go in for two minutes. You're going to feel so good afterwards. And it's just going to further that achievement based mindset. So I jump in. So um, I, I think there's obstacles you can put in your, in, in just like your daily practice every day. That's going to help you with like larger obstacles in life too. Yeah. And, you know, for like an obstacle that you don't want to happen in your life, but that's going to happen to all of us. It's also going to prepare you for that. Yeah, no, that's a, that's an important word. I think for a culture that like is always looking for, you know, the most comfortable option or the easy fix or the quick fix or the hack, right? Life hacks. How can I get to the goal or the destination I want with as little effort as possible? And I mean, we can't, (laughs) we can't invent our way out of hard work. And so when you put those obstacles in and just say, it's showing up, it's being consistent, it's doing the hard thing and knowing that like that will pay the dividends down the road. Like that's timely, uh, a timely message for now as it is, as it ever has been. So I love yeah. that. And I just feel like there's so much satisfaction with stuff like that. We actually were just having a sauna conversation a, a couple hours ago and we, we were talking about comfort after discomfort. Like how great is it after a hard workout to eat a meal? How great is it to go in the sauna after being in, you know, the ice barrel for five minutes or how great is it to take that hot shower after you jumped into a cold stream? Like the discomfort before comfort makes the comfort so much more enjoyable and rewarding. Yeah. hundred percent. I've never had a better meal than after like a big bike ride or a big run, you know, right. There's, there's a, another level of satisfaction than just- Yeah, you earned it. You so earned it. Yeah. And it like earning things, that's, that's where the glory comes from. Like, you know, in all of my Ironmans, I signed up for an, another Ironman the next day. Like you're not satisfied. It's more the process getting you there. That's the satisfaction. It's like the earning it portion of it. It's not the actual like, oh, I'm done. Okay. Now what, you know? Yeah, there's this great um, picture by, I think, Brad Stolberg of, um, you know, the picture of yourself on top of the mountain versus your picture of, of yourself climbing the mountain. And, and yeah. just like, you know, we're spending our time climbing the mountain and being on top of the mountain is just a moment. So, like, just kind of rephrasing that, reframing that priority of, of, of the climb versus, you know, the peak. Yeah, the process is the, that's the rewarding part of it. It really, really is. And, you know, it's nice to, again, have the obstacle or the goal at the end. But I I think whenever someone looks back on that stuff, it's more the process that you remember than the actual achievement. In your own process, in your own training, um, have you found you've evolved from training hard to training smart? I know you talked about that with your Ironmans. Um, Is that something you've done with all of your, all of your training? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the Ironman years, you know, after a year of doing it, like every training session, I was visualizing Kona. I was visualizing getting to the Ironman World Championships. And, um, it, it, you know, I, I was willing to do pretty much anything to get there, you know. And I also got addicted to the endurance high during those years. So, you know, even if I was smashed, 
I would go out for a run just because I knew it would make me mentally and emotionally feel good. And I'm so happy now that I've found like sauna and cold exposure and some of these things that relieve inflammation, but also give me that same serotonin boost that a run would give me or a hard workout would give me, give me. And, you know, I don't, I, I compete very rarely now, maybe once or twice a year, I'll do like a high rocks race. I haven't done an Ironman since 2014. Um, I did Leadville a couple of years ago, Let, but the Leadville mountain bike race, it's not as punishing on your body as the running race. And yeah, for me now, it's more like I want to feel good day in and day out. And when I compete, you know, you have to build up to it where you're basically flirting with injury if you're looking to win something. And then you go at such a high intensity afterwards that you need a few down days after. And it's such a major boost of serotonin that you're, you're going to have a few down days afterwards as well. So I found a nice blend of training and recovery where I can do it day in and day out and feel the same. And, you know, it's anaerobic training, aerobic training, strength training, um, mobility work with the Olympic lifting sauna, cold exposure. So it's much more diverse than it was in the Ironman years where it was very much just endurance based running, biking, and swimming. I still was doing some strength training back then, but not nearly as much as I do now. Then I've backed way off on the aerobic training. I very rarely do anything more than 90 minutes now aerobic. Um, and I typically don't run much more than 45 to 60 minutes. In my younger years as an athlete, you know, I would skip the recovery. It was just like the train hard, train hard that, that right. we were talking about. And because I was young, I didn't think about recovery. And then as I got older, injuries happened and it, it would kind of put me on the shelf. Um, so can we kind of zoom in on the, the sauna and the ice, the cold exposure, the ice baths? Mm -hmm. um, can we talk about the recovery aspect, but also kind of like, the mental clarity, kind of the mind, body, soul of the recovery practices that you have? Yeah, definitely. So the, it's definitely started with the physical side. So sauna for me dates back to 2013 when um, I was using it to prepare for the heat humidity in Kona. Um, and, you know, I did realize during that time though, afterwards, just like how loose and limber I felt um, and mentally it was similar to, you know, the endorphin rush of post-exercise. I'm like, damn, I just, I feel like I just did a psychedelic, like my mind is just firing on all, all cylinders. And I have this an incredible high from it. Um, so I recognized the, the mental and emotional benefits of it back then, but was definitely using it more just for heat acclimation. Um, so then when I moved to Denver in 2017, um, I was introduced to this facility here called Denver Sports Recovery, and they had an infrared sauna, but they also had a hot tub and a cold plunge. And I went there every night for literally two years straight, and I would do 50 minutes in the infrared sauna and then three rounds of five minutes in the cold plunge, five minutes in the hot tub. So contrast therapy. And that was, that was my first time doing contrast therapy. And man, through that, all of my aches and pains from the Ironman years, you know, started to go away. And most importantly was the stress resilience component of it, where 
I just no longer felt stressed out with everyday life, with my to-do list. I never felt anxious. If someone cut me off on the road, it didn't you know, derail my day. It would take something monumental to derail my day. So I just realized how like even keeled my temperament was becoming from the contrast therapy. And then also the conversations I was having with people at Denver Sports Recovery were just insane. We're in this, in a captive environment, you know, where your phone is going to overheat in the sauna and, you know, in the sauna and in the cold, um, it's boosting your neuroepinephrine, which is also allowing you to like narrow your aperture and, and focus. So, the conversations I was having with people at Denver Sports Recovery, specifically in the sauna, um, they were just so vulnerable and um, so just like deep uh, that I'm like, man, there's something to this. Like these sauna convos are some of the, the best convos I've had in my life, like even better than a coffee all hyped up on caffeine. Like I just feel like I'm really bonding with people. So, you know, that was this interesting thing that I took note of. And then I started going to friends' houses who had barrel saunas and like ice baths, proper ice baths. And that was just like a whole nother level of, wow, I feel amazing afterwards. And what an incredible hit of serotonin after and same, like the conversations I was having, you know, in those saunas and doing the contrast therapy with people were just so engaging and so deep. And you know, then when we bought our property here in Denver, I knew that was like a big way that we wanted to entertain. And also where I wanted to meet new people, like whenever someone reaches out to me, you know, and says, Hey, can we work out together, grab coffee? I'm like, no, come to the house and let's sauna because I know how good that conversation is going to be when the phones are off. And, you know, again, like you're just so focused when you're in, in the sauna from the effects of heat and the effects of, you know, that boosting your, your serotonin levels. So, yeah, I mean, man, there's just been so many benefits from the sauna and, and cold exposure for me. It's obviously allowed me to, I'm 42. It's allowed me to continue training at a very high level and not feeling banged up, not feeling old. Um, but you know, again, most importantly, just the mental, emotional and community benefits of it have been incredible. Yeah, that's awesome. When you, uh, I think I, like, I'd love to jump into community in a little bit, cause I think you're someone who creates an amazing community around you in person, but also online. Um, but like in those saunas, so you have this, this, this place where you can invite people over and say, yo, the crew's showing up like four, four five, six of you can all cram in there. Is there ever, um, do you ever bring an intention to say, Hey, like, here's a, here's a thought for us or a question for us to ponder, like before we go in or once we're in the sauna and like be intentional with the conversation that you kind of want to curate and create in there. Or is it very much just like, let's get in there and see what comes out. It's honestly kind of like this. It's kind of like a podcast in there where, you know, it's generally like-minded people that are into health and wellness. And oftentimes it might be, you know, someone who I know and then mixed in with people that none of us know. So the conversations just flow. There's never any, sometimes I'll do sauna podcasts in there with friends who own brands or athletes where it's curated some, but you know, generally whenever there's new people coming, no, there's no, it's not curated whatsoever. It's literally just like us jumping on this podcast and having an amazing conversation in there. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. Um, that flow states, you know, 
we talk about it, those conversations in the sauna, Dean and I, you know, we find those when we're going for long runs, like the conversations are just so organic and um, just, I feel like there's a creativity and open-mindedness that you can tap into when we're, when we're turning distraction off, whether that's our cell phone or our schedules, when we like create these opportunities to like, to have open conversation, it's, it's always so amazing where they can organically lead. Um, with the ice baths in particular, the cold exposure, I find if I'm having, you know, I'm tired in the morning or I'm having some anxiety from work, uh, there's nothing more grounding more more brings me more into the present than that splash into the cold. Um, can you kind of speak to the, the mental benefits beyond the physical benefits of, of that kind of that, you know, I say extreme, but it's, it's a practice, uh, the practice of cold exposure. Yeah. I mean, the way I like to explain it mentally is, you know, you could feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders. You have this massive to-do list and all of these stressors. And if you go jump in 40 degree water for three minutes, when you get out all of a sudden, like that to-do list and that weight of the world, is just like stacked in front of you. And you feel like you can tiptoe everything. It just brings such relief to your mind and such relief to your nervous system. So yeah, I mean, I, I do it enough now that I rarely get to that point where I'm super stressed out. But, you know, I do know that, you know, if I'm traveling and I don't have access to it and I have a few down days, I know that as soon as I hop in that cold water, like I'm kind of back to square one where I feel great again. And it's insane, like how fast it happens. It literally is two or three minutes in cold water, dunking your head. Um, and yeah, the, you you just feel so good and so clear afterwards. Yeah. It's we've had, we've had a few people on the, on the pod before talk about, and it's just part of their practice. And we were even surprised to learn from some of them when they shared that like cold exposure or going into, you know, the ocean out our way here in the middle of winter was something that not only taught them like that they can do hard things, but actually has been instrumental in like helping them heal from trauma, whether it's physical or just like emotional and mental traumas that they've experienced. And I think like you put it so, so um, eloquently, like it just kind of all those things that you're carrying, like they just stack up in front of you. You can see them more clearly. And I think, you know, I, I just know, like I work with a lot of teenagers and I think our world is one that is like rife with anxiety and depression and stress. And a -hmm. lot of people, you know, would think, oh, that's crazy. Like jumping in ice cold water, what's that going to do for me? But it'd be amazing to see like some sort of, you know, there maybe there even is, but some sort of study on people who, you know, would say like, yes, I'm someone who's like struggling with anxiety and like what, you know, cold exposure and this like recovery uh, kind of practice would do for their, their own like mental health and well-being. Because like when we do it, it's exactly the thing. Like you feel amazing you feel like you can take on the world it doesn't fix the problems in your life but it helps you gain perspective on them it definitely does i mean i mean you guys have heard the saying i have to clear my mind and you know a lot of people use exercise or going for a long run as a way to clear your mind and you know that's how i would explain cold exposure is it's doing the same thing just in a lot less time, you know, it's not going for a 90 minute CrossFit workout or a 60 or 90 minute run, which is kind of what I feel like I need to do, you know, in duration with those things in order to get the same type of mental benefits from it. Um, It's so much of why, 
you know, I like talking about sauna and cold exposure too, is there's no skill involved with it. It's something that pretty much anyone can do. And yeah, all you have to do is have a little mental grid and say yes, and Mm. you're going to get the benefits from it. So yeah, I mean, it's tough bringing someone in to go mountain biking or some of these other things that produce this similar feeling. So that's why I like inviting people to come and, and sauna or cold exposure or talking about it on social media, because I just know how monumental the benefits have been for me and so many others. And it's just not something where you have to put in a ton of practice to be able to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And it is that thing where it's like, you, once you, once you feel it, you know, we can do a lot of things that are we know are really good for us, but we may not feel the benefit right away. Mm-hmm. But like you step into a sauna, you can feel it. You yep. get into an ice bath, you can feel it. And so it's instant. And then more so than the hot and the cold, but just that feeling afterwards, like you said, that you get out of it and the, how charged up you feel after being in there is unreal. And I, I feel like, you know, my experience too with like health and wellness is like, it's a slippery slope. You start doing one thing and then you try something else, you try something else. And it's like the best slippery slope there is. And so even for people, you know, I like how you, I love how you said, it's like easy access, like anybody, there's no skill required, really. You can turn up to your local community center and do it. Mm -hmm. And, and I love that because just one positive thing that people begin doing for themselves to feel better can often lead to like that next step of like, Oh, well, Hey, there's a gym here as well as a sauna. Like maybe I'll go ride the bike or walk on the treadmill. Like it just encourages people, I think, to take those steps forward as they start these practices of like investing in their own health. So I love it. I love that. That's could be the starting point for people. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll meet incredible people and doing it. And, you know, I love going in nature with other people to do cold exposure. It definitely helps when there's other people involved, like we do these community cold plunges at least once a month. And, you know, my friends and I do it fairly often, but it definitely helps having other people specifically around the the cold exposure and jumping in a cold ocean or a cold stream. And then the sauna aspect. Yeah. If you can find one at your gym and it's just combined with your gym membership, you're going to meet amazing people. And I mean, those two practices have brought so many opportunities into my life as well. So I like to think of them as multitasking without multitasking. I love that. Stacking, stacking wins. Yep. Well, one thing you talked about uh, was the you have a parameter um, of feeling of feeling anxious versus feeling present. And I think um, you know we can get stuck in habits of anxiety or stress or attached to story that doesn't serve us. Uh, but when we use that parameter of does this make me feel anxious or does this make me feel present, uh, can you talk about using that in your your decision making? Yeah, so I mean that was a process that dates back to the Ironman years where I had a lot of time and space to be able to think through you know how I wanted life to be, and I'm sure you guys are familiar with Ryan Holiday. Stillness is the key. I feel like we need space to really go deep and figure out like, Hey, are we thriving right now? Are we in an environment that we really enjoy? Are we surrounded by people that we like? Are we, you know, building our day around activities that yield progress and happiness? And I started to do that. I just started to be more self-aware and I started to assess my life. And, you know, there were a lot of like board meetings that I was sitting on, Um, sitting in where I realized they were just ego-based. I did it just to say I was on a board instead of really feeling like I was giving any value or getting any value from it. You know, I was just kind of like doodling while I was there thinking about other things and, you know, started to assess some of my friend group and realized that 
you know, I wasn't adding that much value anymore. And I didn't feel like I was getting that much value anymore. And the conversations were no longer flow state compared to, you know, maybe some of my friends that were in triathlon or my friends building businesses, um, where those conversations were just like, so in the moment, we were both so present with each other. Um, and then same with like the activities each day. Like I, I didn't enjoy staying out late anymore. I didn't enjoy drinking wine anymore. I didn't enjoy entertaining late at night. A lot of these things that I did in my twenties, you know, I, I realized like, damn, these aren't really bringing me happiness anymore. And they're really affecting my goal that I have in mind, which at that time was building a couple businesses and Ironman. Um, so I started writing these things down where, okay, this is bringing me positive energy. I'm completely present and I want more of this in my life. And then I would do the same for things where my mind was wandering and I wasn't completely present and I didn't feel like I was getting or giving much value and really just started to build my day around all of those completely present things and started to eliminate all of those things where I wasn't present and I didn't feel like I was gaining value or giving value. Mm. Did you, did you ever have like a, a coach or a mentor or someone who helped steer you in that direction? Or are you the kind of person uh, like uh, that's just kind of curious. And once you start experiencing something, you just kind of go after it. And like, like you said, identifying these things of like this, this is giving me life. This is taking life. So I'm just going to invest time and energy here. Is that something that you kind of discovered on your own? Or can you name a person or a few people who were like, they were kind of like my guides in this, in this way of life? Yeah, during that time period, I did take a leadership course with a gentleman named Ralph Simone. Um, I, and I was surrounded by some really good people when I was in Syracuse that um, definitely shared with me, you know, some of their protocols in designing their life or books they had read. Um, so I, I think it's been more just surrounding myself with the right people and being aware enough to have you know, ask the right questions and have the right conversations with those people to learn based on the stage of life that I was in or the chapter of life that I was writing. But his course definitely, definitely helped me. Um, I haven't talked to him in years. I'm assuming he still may have uh, a course that he does around that. He definitely taught me a lot around um, delegation, elimination, and automation. Um, which at the time, you know, I was training 25 hours a week. I was running a, uh, helping run a software company. I had my insurance business. I had opened a gym. I was starting to open restaurants. <laughs> I just had a lot on my plate and I was trying to figure out how to manage all of it. So he definitely helped with, with that, just a mindset around like, what can only you do and you do best. And then everything else should be automated, eliminated or delegated. That's brilliant. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, And I, I continue to go through phases where, I mean, I've gotten to a point now where I'm getting kind of overwhelmed with all of the um, contracts I have with different brands that I'm working with and the new products I'm working on and the retreats. And so I'm back in that phase of this is cool, but I have to start delegating, automating and eliminating again to just do what only I can do and I can do best. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's awesome. Well, I've definitely, uh, I've definitely benefited, you know, you look at the people that are, uh, that are inspiring and you say, okay, what are the things that they use to, you know, achieve the lifestyle that like you're living, right? And you go, okay, that's awesome. And then, yeah, so I've picked up, picked up some 10,000 gear, 
you cool. and Rich Roll are to blame for that. I think he had his like run run far. <laughs> yeah, his run far collection is awesome, and awesome. I love Rich Roll. I mean, his content is incredible. His story is incredible. His impact on the world has been incredible. So he, he's he's definitely a, a resource I look to. Yeah, no doubt. So, but it's just it's just so cool to see that like the way that you have curated a life and created a life has brought this attention to now. It's like lots of people are paying attention, saying, "Hey, let's work together." But I love that you have the clarity of like not at the expense of the thing that got you interested in me. Like I'm not going to give up the the structure of my day um, just because. Yeah, that's so important to me. And you know, the Iron Man period was a time where I realized that just chasing money wasn't making me happy at all anymore. It was only an ego play. And the exercise, the progress associated with that, the people I was attracting into my life, like all of that was so much more fulfilling than, you know, trying to create more revenue streams and more money. So yeah, I've, I've always remained cognizant of that, that, you know, you need a certain level of money to provide happiness and comfort and, you know, to buy the food you want and obviously to have the place you want to entertain. But after that, I think it becomes really designing your day around the people you want to be around, the activities you want to be doing, um, and the environment that that you want to be in where you thrive. I think those things are are the most important things in, in, uh, in happiness every day. Yeah. Chasing perfect days, I like to call it. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard you speak about chasing money versus chasing the best version of yourself. Um, and I love that one, just kind of to shift things a little bit, um, you know, you're, you yourself, Eric, you're, you're a wave in, in the community and you create these ripples that, you know, go, go far and wide. And, you know, we're here in Vancouver inspired by what you do and um, you're very much a builder, whether that's businesses, brands, content, for those that are maybe starting a brand, you know, you've, been an investor and a builder. Do you have any any words of advice for people that are are getting into the the brand creation space, the content creation space of like how to you know create consistency and and build those those sustainable wins in their lives? Yeah. So I think the first is you know where can you add the most value in something that you can do consistently? Um, and once you figured that out how can you go narrow and deep on it? I, I see the, the people that are building their brands the fastest right now have gone really narrow and deep on something. Love him or hate him, but like Liver King, you know, he has created an incredibly viral brand around liver, you know, just being the, the person who preaches about liver and obviously unique look, unique lifestyle, all these other things are coming into play, but he went narrow and deep on that. Paul Saladino, another great example of just like, animal-based and seed oils, like narrow and deep on a, on a topic. Um, I have another buddy, Jacob Zemer, who goes to grocery stores and picks up a food item and, you know, tells you about that food item. Like, you know exactly what you're going to get by following him, but there's an element of surprise as to like, you know, okay, what's he going to review tomorrow? Or with Paul, you know, what restaurant is he going to go to and call out tomorrow? Or where's Liver King, you know, going to be doing something crazy tomorrow? So I think it's going narrow and deep on something, um, you know, having a hook immediately, whether that's a captivating look, a captivating environment. But, you know, I think it's important to really capture the person's attention instantly. That's why I've been using, you know, a lot of um, text over the image or video, just so like 
instantly when you're scrolling through the feed, you know exactly what you're getting with, with that post. Um, and then um, I think it is uh, adding value or evoking some kind of emotion. So for me, you know, I, I like to add value through education, trying to impact people in ways that a lot of the, the things I do in my life have impacted me. Um, you know, you can evoke emotion, you can inspire people, you can make people, people laugh, but I think you need to pick some kind of angle where again, you're making people feel a certain way or you're educating people. It's becoming much more like YouTube, like Instagram isn't, um, TikTok, you know, they're not anymore just like the highlight reel, like they were four years ago. Um, I think they're really becoming your own channel to disseminate, you know, education or um, evoke some kind of emotion in people. Uh, so those would be my tips in like building a personal brand. And then as far as monetizing it, you have a few options. You can come out with your own product or service around, you know, what you're talking about, the content that you're putting out. Or like for me, you know, I, I work with a lot of brands um, helping them amplify their message, but also working more as a consultant. I figured out my niche in this world and I've made a lot of connections through the years. So I like leveraging my network and helping brands grow, whether that's seeding product to people, introducing them to distribution channels, introducing them to investors, introducing them to other brands they can collaborate with. So I feel like that for me is even more valuable than a number next to my name. Um, so yeah, and I enjoy it. Like I, I love connecting people. Um, I love just seeing two people come together and, and, you know, something comes out of that. Um, so I think you have to enjoy it too. And it's, it's just accessible to me. Um, the content we've made easy for ourselves to create here. And that was a big part of, you know, Sarah and I buying this house is, having a view that's captivating and being able to build an outdoor gym that's interesting and having the space for the sauna and cold plunge. So, you know, it's, we've designed our environment to um, also flow with, with business. Yeah. That's so great. I love that. I love the intention that you bring to, to your life from, from all things. And, you know, it's just, especially like that, that community piece, whether it's a few people, friends, old and maybe brand new coming over for a sauna uh, the, the community cold plunge that you do, uh, and, you know, lots of people turn up to jump in cold water that they might never want to do before. Or even as you just said about like in, in business connecting, you know, seeing yourself as like a conduit between a brand and another group of people and saying, Hey, you might collaborate really well, or this person might be a great person to, to represent your brand. I just love that you have this heartbeat for like creating community, not just, you know, for yourself, but for other people, like that's just the true essence for it. Have you, is that something that you've like designed? Like you've always been intentional with that? Like, have you, were you the guy always saying, Hey, turn up to my house for the party or let's all go do this or texting the group saying, let meet up here. We're going to go for the run or the ride. Have you always been the, the kind of like party? Like let's, let's, let's go get everyone riled up. The catalyst. The catalyst. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, like, I love, I love uh, making pe people feel a certain way. That was so much of like opening a gym in upstate New York and opening the restaurants in upstate New York. It was taking my experiences that I had had in New York City or LA or Miami and bringing some of those things to Syracuse for, you know, for people to experience there. And yeah, I guess I've always, 
I've always, uh, I was an only child growing up. So yes, I, I would always have friends over playing ping pong and playing basketball in, in my parents' backyard. Um, and in college, definitely had the party house. And um, after that, had the party house in, in upstate <laughs> New York at my condo. So I've always enjoyed entertaining and bringing people, people together. But I, I think the feeling that I get from it is, like, I know how I felt when, you know, I went for my first trail run in Colorado, or I went for my first mountain bike ride in Colorado, or I did my first cold plunge. And I want people, I, I get a certain feeling when others get to experience that for their first time through me. So I love that aspect of it too, because I just remember like, damn, I felt so good when I did that. Like, I can't wait for them to feel that good doing it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Creating, creating opportunities for people to have an experience that might alter the trajectory of their whole life is a pretty special uh, seat to occupy for sure. Eric, before uh, we wrap up, um, one point that you've made a few times that I really loved was this idea of tiny wins. Can you talk about the idea of building your day around tiny wins? Yeah. Um, I mean, if we can link to it, I'll send you guys my full list of tiny wins. I'll try and rattle them all off. But um, I build my way down, uh, my day around tiny wins. And, you know, these are just like small things that throughout my day bring progress and satisfaction. So getting outside for 60 minutes combined with aerobic activity, um, often combined with a skill-based activity um, instead of a non-skill-based activity. Like I like mountain biking instead of road biking or trail running over pavement running. Um, I feel like the, the presence and flow I get from those because there's skill and risk involved um, is elevated. Um, meeting with like-minded people, having several engaging conversations, that would be you know the conversations generally having in the sauna. Um, getting my heart rate above 155. So, you know, within a CrossFit workout in the morning, lifting something heavy, introducing, um, introducing people, meeting new people, um, telling my girlfriend, family, someone I love that I love them, uh, expressing gratitude, just like at the end of the day, we have this gratitude jar that we like writing in just, you know, things that brought us joy throughout the day. Um, so yeah, all of these things are implemented into my daily routine in one way or another. And at the end of the day, I mean, your head just hits the pillow and you're like, damn, that was a great day. And that's how I want every day to be. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, Eric, uh, you know, we've got a closing question that we want to wrap up with, uh, before we get there, I just want to express my own gratitude. Um, you know, we're, we're so influenced and inspired by what you're doing in, in Denver and, uh, you know, you're a builder and a creator. And, and like we mentioned before, the wave that uh, you're creating, the ripples go far and wide and, and continue to, to walk your journey because a lot of us are following and a lot of us are inspired by what you're doing. So, so thank you. Thank you guys. I appreciate you guys having me on and, you know, also just amplifying people's message. I, this is great that you guys allow people to, you know, share their stories so that hopefully we can all impact others in a positive way. Yes. Amazing. Definitely. Uh, two things before we close it out with our, our go-to closer. Um, I just want to say just for fun, my favorite post you've ever done is the one of you doing burpees up the mountain in the snow. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that was so, so hard afterwards. I had, so that was 14,300 feet, uh, Mount Quandry, just outside Breckenridge. And, you know, I, I know the effects of elevation, obviously, 
but I've never done anything highly anaerobic at that elevation. And I was kind of curious and I literally only did maybe 10 burpee broad jumps, which, you know, 10 burpee broad jumps for me is kind of a warm up type movement. And I was laying in the snow at the top of the mountain for like two minutes, wondering whether I was going to have a heart attack. Like it was literally, it was worse than doing a one minute assault bike interval for me. It was crazy how fast my heart rate climbed doing that. And also how long it took to get it back down. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. I remember sitting on the couch and I've got uh, two young boys and my wife's like, what are you laughing about? I'm like, you got to see this. This is so wild. <laughs> yeah, that was gnarly. I wouldn't recommend doing that. A lot of things <laughs> I do that people that people are like, what are you doing? Like, I would recommend you do. I don't know if I'd recommend doing that, though. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, when you make it out to Vancouver next, we'll have to uh, take you up to the grouse grind. It's kind of like our... cool. Uh, it's like a, a basically a mile straight up and uh, we can finish it with some burpees together. Yeah, Epic. yeah. let's do it. Yeah. What, what do the mountains get to in, in your area? What, what type of elevation? What's Whistler 8,000. Oh yeah. It's uh, off the top of my head, man. It's probably cause you have to, you, you go up to get up there and then there's yeah. like the, at the peak. It's, what is it? So it is. Uh, so actually pulling it up on the Google machine. Oh, so it's uh, seven thousand feet. Yeah, seven thousand. Yeah, because you guys are just you're at sea level essentially in in Vancouver. Yeah, I mean, I'm sitting right now at six thousand. That's what our house is is at, and our front range mountains um, go up to about eight thousand, and then obviously the you know the real mountains, the Rockies. They're you know ten to fourteen five. Yeah. So running up the grouse grind would be like easy that'd be easy for you elevation wise it would probably yeah elevation wise it wouldn't be difficult at all but depending on how much elevation gain there is over that mile i mean that that matters a lot too we have what's called the manito incline here in colorado springs and that is two thousand feet in 0.9 miles that's probably the steepest one that we have here and it i mean you can't run i i guess killian journey like the fastest trail runners in the world they they can run it but yeah most people you're power hiking the entire thing you, you can't run it it's so steep i think i saw that one on like a solomon video or something like that uh, probably did yeah uh, super cool yeah um before we wrap up with our closer question uh can we just want to give space for a minute uh for you to talk about your retreats coming up so uh, those listening can get excited and, and maybe sign up uh to be a part of the uh eric Heinemann lifestyle yeah so i'm co-hosting three as of right now next year um two of them are going to be in arizona at this beautiful wellness resort called savannah and they're three-day wellness retreats with Um, My friend's company out of Chicago called Live Better, Um, exercise, cold exposure, sauna, hikes, rucking, mountain biking. Um, Savannah has incredible food. They have hydration stations all over the property. They have a beautiful spa with a sauna, cold plunge, hot tub. They have this, uh, this bucket that drops cold water down on you. They have a meditation labyrinth. It's a beautiful property. So I'm hosting two three-day retreats with them. One is the end of February and one is like mid-March. And then I'm co-hosting another retreat here in Denver, four-day retreat with HPLT, High Performance Lifestyle Training, Brian Mazza. And um, that one, there will be like incredible speakers. He's had David Goggins in the past. 
Matt Frazier. Um, he has lots of entrepreneurs that speak at them. So that, that one's a combination of intense exercise. We're going to take people rucking in the mountains. We're definitely taking people in some cold streams. Um, and then there also will be a lot of brand builders and entrepreneurs there that, that are speaking. He has Navy SEALs that often come in and speak or lead workouts. And that one is March 24th until the 27th. And then Sarah and I, and also myself and, and several friends in Colorado, um, once a month, we've been hosting one day retreats here at our house, limited to 10 people. And it's basically a day in the life along with, you know, adding some value with speaking about either brand building or flow state or some of the things that, that we spoke about in the podcast. Um, the next one for that is going to be January 21st that I'm going to co-host with Sarah. Um, so those have been really, really fun to do. Sweet. Very cool. Going to add it to our bucket list to come to one of your Yeah, you guys got to come visit. You really should. I mean, open invite, please. Amazing. Thank you. That's, that would be awesome. Yes. Yes. Likewise, if you're ever up this way, ping us, let us know. And we'll... No, Whistler has amazing mountain biking. I wasn't into mountain biking when I was there for that Lulu summit. Um, but it's a hundred percent on my bucket list to go there and bike Whistler. It's unreal. And, yeah. the, and the Scandinavian spa, if you Google that, it's uh, like I will. Uh, I'll check it out. various saunas with various cold pool plunges. It's uh, it's pretty cool. It's a great, Amazing. great spot. Yeah, I, I love your area. Your area is beautiful. Fantastic. Well, uh, yeah, thank you so much for, for sharing all that. I look forward to um, to continuing to follow your journey and to continuing to be uh, inspired by by the life that you're leading and the invitation really you you give through every post and share and everything just to to, to kind of level up and experience life in a more full um, way. So thank you. Thank you for that. Um, and as Zach said, we kind of have a closing question that we ask all of our guests. We named our podcast a little more good. And our intention with that was, you know, we that's what we want to be about in the world. That's what Zach and I, you know, that's kind of like one of our guiding values is how can we be, create, see, do a little more good in the world. We love to ask our guests, like, what does that phrase mean to you a little more good? Yeah, I mean, I think it means having impact, taking your life experiences and sharing those life experiences that have positively benefited you and allowing others to learn from that. I think that's how we all learn and grow. And, you know, it's been great to have social media and the ability to really amplify that message and get it out to more people. So that's what it means to me is just having impact, taking your experiences and impacting others positively through it. Amazing. Well, thank you, Eric. Again, just so grateful for your time. Uh, so grateful for what you're creating. And uh, we look forward to uh, doing some uh, burpee broad jumps up a mountain with you sometime in the near future. Let's do it. I love it. Thanks yes. for having me on, guys. You got it. Thanks, Eric. All right, there you have it. Eric Hinman, the man, the myth, the legend rucking up mountainsides, doing burpees in the snow, sweating it out in the sauna, jumping in the ice bath, telling us, you know, all the cool wellness products we need. I mean, this guy is just is so great. I just loved connecting with him. Uh, I'm totally bought in on, on the lifestyle, right? Sauna, cold plunge, fitness. Like it's just, those are pillars of life that help us to to be, you know, the best entrepreneurs, investors, partners that we can be. And so I, I love it. I love this conversation. Yes. And I, I'm going to put this out there, Dean. We got to go do one of the retreats at Eric's home in Denver at some point because they look 
next level. I know. So awesome. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Uh, the community, the community, uh, plunge recently I saw on his IG too. They did like a community ruck where they all like climbed up some with like the weight vests or whatever, like going up the side of the mountain and then into the water, into the plunge in the stream. And I was just like, this, this looks so great. Like doing fun, you know, fitness shit, but doing it in like community with like-minded people it's just like a, the recipe for for an elevated day and state and so yeah very very grateful for his time and for you know all the community and work that he's doing creating out there in denver so we gotta go yes all right uh thank you all for listening we appreciate all of you check out eric on instagram at eric Hinman. that's uh it's well worth your time to follow you will be inspired i guarantee it um as Dean mentioned earlier, we are so grateful for all of you listening and appreciate any likes, reviews, subscriptions, whatever you do on the internet to, to follow these podcasts. We appreciate it. Share it with a neighbor or friend and hope to, to connect with y'all on your AirPods, your EarPods, wherever you listen. Same time, same place next week. Stay good, y'all. Peace.